Hello and welcome to the 29th episode of Spurbs Herbs. Today we're going to be talking about one of my favorite herbs, Boha, uh, Menthe Haplocalesis, Haplocalesis Herba, also known as mint or field mint. And I promised on the last episode I'd be having some fresh picked peppermint. Not that we're going to talk about that, but I have some fresh picked peppermint tea. And so I am ready. I hope you guys are ready to, to start another episode of Spurbs Herbs. So today we are going to discuss one of my favorite herbs. It's tasty, it is effective, and it is very commonly used in Chinese medicine. It's not peppermint. It is field mint or boha and has a place in many formulas, not just for colds, and we'll see why I say that in just a minute because it is in that category, but for many formulas like the popular Xiaoyaosan. So we've had an episode on that in this part of that and lots of other really popular formulas as well. And of course, we're always going to have something a little different. And today we're going to be talking about probably the, the main active ingredient in boha, which is menthols. So we're going to get into menthol a little bit. So without further ado, let's start by uh, getting into it. So before we begin, I am today, I will be discussing an interesting and useful product for the aches and pains of life. I researched a lot of this information for my course, Chinese Herbal First Aid Kit. This is one of my most popular webinars that looks at what Chinese medicinal products everyone should have in their medicine cabinets for those traumas in situations of everyday living. We discuss burns, bleeding, colds, sore throats, headaches, stomach pain, sinusitis, and many more issues, and they're easily purchased remedies. While geared towards Chinese medical practitioners, it is a wealth of information for any and everyone. Please check out this course and all of my online and live California Acupuncture Board Continuing Education Units and, and NCCOM, or National Certification Commission of Acupuncture and Oriental Medicine, Professional Development Activities courses at www.integrativemedicinecouncil.org. That's Council C-O-U-N-C-I-L. That's integrativemedicinecouncil.org. One, so let's get into it. We're going to talk about one of the most important ingredients. One of the topicals I use often in my, pro in my practice is a Chinese oil called Fosum An. I like this formulation for several reasons. It smells a little better than other topicals. It's easy to use, comes in different forms, and has an interesting combination of herbs, including Huangqin or Scutellaria bicalensis radix, Gansau or Glycericeria uro, urolensis radix, that's licorice. Shui Jie, um, I love this herb. It's, uh, the, the Latin is uh, Demonorops Draco Resina, also known as Dragon's Blood. I just love the name Dragon's Blood. It's a resin, it's an herbal resin, and also includes oil of cinnamon, uh, which is derived from rogue or Cinnamomum cassia cortex oleum oleum meaning oil uh, and it is also they have a bomb as well so I like that as well uh, that they have a bomb in this formation as well so I like Posamon a lot uh, and uh, I'm not here to shill Posamon but 
we're going to get into why I think it's important and why, especially in relation to what we're talking about today. So one of the most interesting herbs here, as I mentioned, is dragon's blood. Traditionally, this resin dispels blood stasis, relieves pain, stops bleeding, protects the surface of an ulcer, and generates flesh and muscles. All of those could be really useful in a trauma uh, sort of situation where you might be using it, in, for example, with this liniment that we're talking about today. Overall, this oil, this liniment, warms the area, promotes circulation of blood and chi. That's really important because we say that pain is from stagnation of blood and chi. So the circulation of blood and chi is really important in order to relieve pain. It eliminates blood stagnation. Again, that stagnation is not a good thing. That is a cause of pain. We say pain is either blood stagnation or, or chi depression slash stagnation as well. It does alleviate pain, this oil does overall, and it stops bleeding, which is really interesting. So if you think about this, we're seeing it moves blood, but it also stops bleeding, which I've always found to be a little bit in my head, a little bit of a, um, an oxymoron. But we have a few herbs and formulas like this that are very helpful for that. These are all, all of these Chinese medical functions that I just talked about are all traditional approaches to stopping pain and helping healing in traumas. Arthritis or, or different arthritis uh, types, especially osteoarthritis, can be very helpful in rheumatoid arthritis, but I, I find it very useful in osteoarthritis. And everyday aches and pains. If you knock something, and for me, I use it when I sleep a little funny and my neck is out. Uh, those sort of things are always very useful for this formula. But the thing I like the best about Postmon is the menthol used in this topical, which menthol is used in pretty much all other topicals for pain. That is, uh, is, is that smell. We're going to get into all that in just a second. So menthol is an important element in all this. And it's actually from what the bottle calls peppermint oil. So I'm, I put that in quotes for a reason. And let's talk about it. So first, I always thought our herb for today, boha, was peppermint. Uh, it isn't. Uh, but preparing today's podcast showed me I was wrong. Rather than peppermint, which is the, the Latin, is, uh, the, the species is mentha piperita, boha, which is actually mentha haplocalyx, is field mint. And it's actually the same genus, but a different species. And it was interesting because when I was researching this, um, I found a place where I could, I could buy um, the, the mentha haplocalyx, and I'm, I'm going to... Um, purchase that and actually replace my peppermint that I have growing right now in my garden. And what they said, it was really interesting, the, the, uh, the sort of commentary for this herb was, this is a very strong and yet smooth form of mint, and it actually is the favorite of all the people who, who work the, the, the farms here, wherever this place that I was looking at was, and they actually have a, a plant off to the side that they take uh, leaves from and eat throughout the day. So they actually preferred the boha to the peppermint. So I'm, I'm kind of excited to get that in and uh, replace my peppermint. So, so the, 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 the bottom line here is when they say peppermint oil on the label, is it actually peppermint oil or is it field mint oil? And, and I have a feeling that it's, it's more the field mint oil, but I'm not sure. So, uh, but they list it as peppermint oil on the package, which is, is fairly similar. Now, either way, 
The peppermint oil is a relatively natural source of menthol compared to synthetic versions. You can buy synthetic menthol. You can buy it in, in powder form or in, in highly concentrated form. And a lot of these topicals, that's how they add menthol into these topicals. But I like that Postamon gets it from actually distilling and concentrating the peppermint oil. And I, I think I read somewhere that they have their own farm where they, they grow mint and they um, they distill it themselves but I couldn't find that resource again as I was studying for the uh, as I was preparing today's uh, superb herbs but I it's not synthetic and I like that about the menthol that's included in postmon so that's a big reason why I like postmon another big reason is postmon has a large percentage of menthol in fact the amount of menthol in postmon is among is among the highest levels of easily attainable pain topicals Postmon contains about 15% menthol compared to something like 2% in, in many formulations. So it's, it's several times um, rougher than that. You know, I've, I've had patients who've come in, and again, I'm not bashing on anyone, and I'm not promoting anything here, but like, um, you know, I ask them, do you, do you put anything, you know, they have a sore neck or a sore back, do you put anything else like Tiger Bomb? I'm like, okay, Tiger Bomb's fine, it's, it's okay but I really like this Postamon better. And, and now I know why. It's because Tiger Bomb is on the lower side of menthol and Postamon is on the much higher side of, of menthol. And I'll have patients come back and go, you're right, this stuff is much stronger than the, the Tiger Bomb is. Now, part of what the Tiger Bomb also is, it's bomb, which means it has to be in uh, a carrier that is semi-solid. And that actually reduces the percentages. Like I, I feel like the Postamon Bomb, which it does have Postamon Bomb, buy that is not as strong as the oil because I think of the carrier it kind of dilutes it a little bit but still like the postmon a lot so menthol as I mentioned is widely used in topical applications and gives that distinctive cooling sensation pres present in many medicinal topicals so you put it on and you have that cooling sensation right away and it also gives off that distinctive smell that um, when we were kids we'd say it's the Bengay smell or the old people smell. Um, now that I'm old, I, I sometimes have that smell myself. So. so why is such a stinky chemical so widely used in so many topicals? And the short answer is because it works. There's some pretty good evidence that it is antibacterial and possibly even broadly antimicrobial. So that's not a bad thing. Uh, you, you're not supposed to put this on open wounds, but sometimes, you know, you have a scrape and you're not sure it's quite open or closed and you might try it. So this isn't a bad thing to, to have there. But the reason why it works so well to help pain is because it actually activates kappa opioid receptors. And that's important. These receptors are part of the nervous system that opioids like morphine activate to strongly reduce pain. Now, opioids, if you're not familiar with them, we are in the middle of an opioid epidemic. There are issues with opioids, but for acute conditions, I have no problem with opioids whatsoever. It's the chronic conditions where I think the opioid epidemic kind of gets into play. But really, uh, for most pains, there are no stronger pain relievers than opioids. So the fact that this will actually activate the same receptors that opioids are to produce pain relief, that's pretty strong. Now, this is not considered a strong pain reliever, menthol but it is considered uh, a, a mild pain reliever and, and it does work. It does activate these opioid receptors and that's a really positive uh, aspect of using menthol, especially in these 
pain topicals. And, and in these pain topicals, we have oils and sometimes alcohol, and it allows it to penetrate a little bit more deeply, and that's why it can affect muscles and things along those lines. In addition, methyl has that a soothing, cooling sensation followed by a warming sensation as it promotes local blood flow and circulation. And again, as I said, when you have local blood flow and circulation, that's positive from a Chinese point of view for helping reduce pain. So that's a real, that adds to that. If you can increase blood flow and get out what, when you have inflammation, when you have um, something that's causing inflammation, what happens is there's a lot of local chemi chemistry happening in the form of um, cytokines and other inflammatory modulators. And what happens is they get stuck in a local area and part of the inflammatory process is to turn up pain reception because they don't want you moving that area. If, you, if you've broken your arm, they don't want you move. By they, I mean your body doesn't want you moving that arm anymore. So part of the inflammatory process is to make it more painful so you won't move that arm. So, but in an everyday, you know, knock or, or something that happens over a few days, that pain really, of course, gets on our nerves. And if you, one of the things that you can do with that increased blood flow is you can get those cytokines and those inflammatory modulators out of the local area, and that helps reduce pain as well. So this blood circulation is an important aspect of this. So the transient receptor potential melastatin-related 8, that's the shortened to TRPM8 channels. So these are channels in the, in the bodies are widely accepted to be the main targets of menthol in different cell types, including neurons. And of course, when we're talking pain reception, we're talking neurons and smooth, smooth muscle cells of several organs. There, there are things, um, you know, taking this internally can help a little bit. I'm not suggesting you take it internally because most of the forms are not internal forms of menthol, but you can um, if, prepared properly, there is actually uh, one of the uh, sore throat medications I, I recommend often will, will have a little bit of menthol in it. And it can help digestion supposedly as well. So that um, it, it, these TRMP, TRPM8 channels uh, in the smooth uh, muscle cells can actually be part of the intestines can help relax that and all that, so that's good. These channels are also implicated in the detection of cool and cold temperatures by afferent A delta and C nerve fibers. So that's getting a little technical in there, but um, afferent means to the brain, and uh, A, A delta and C uh, nerve fibers are different types of nerve fibers that, that um, specifically in this case, we'll, we'll look at temperatures. You know, we'll, we'll, um, we'll uh, communicate temperature differences in the, in the fingertips and periphery, basically, of the body. Menthol-containing products including Posamon, are used to help breathing during colds by rubbing on one's chest, um, sort of like um, the old uh, Vicks Vapo rub. You know, you rub it on and it would open up the nose. The vapors, the menthol vapors, that's what they were, would open up the nose. It's also included in many hemorrhoid preparations to kind of uh, subdue the, the burning pain of a hemorrhoid, uh, an active hemorrhoid. It may be helpful to stop itching insect bites. I haven't tried that. I keep forgetting to try that. Uh, we do, you know, for a few months where I live near San Diego, we'll get some insects going. Uh, we got, um, a few years ago, we got infestation in San Diego in general of what they call ankle-biting mosquitoes. And they make big bites, so, um, and they last for days. So I'm going to try this, putting that on 
and seeing if that helps a little bit. And it, it makes sense that it would. So, all right. And that's sort of introduction into menthol and some uses of that and why it might work. Uh, so with this little side discussion, I think we're ready for the main event. Let's get into Boha. So Boha, uh, that's the Chinese. Again, apologize for my Chinese pronunciation. It comes in the family uh, Lemiaceae. We actually talked about Lemiaceae when we talked earlier. This reserves uh, covering Zisugung, so we'll, we'll cover it a little bit again. Just so we're on the same page as what family this mint comes from. The species, as I mentioned earlier, earlier is Mentha haplocalyx brick, B-R-I-Q. And that, that usually, when you see you know, big uh, letters like that uh, after a Latinized species name, that, that's indicative of who was the discoverer, who, who actually classified this. And so it was um, a, uh, a you know, botanist or a naturalist. Uh, I don't know who this was. You can look up you know, the actual names, but B-R-I-Q is the name there. The medicinal part for this is the whole herb. It's herba, so it's the whole herb. Um, the English translation, I don't know what the English translation is for, for boha. I think it just refers to like field mint or something along those lines. Other names for this are just mentha. Um, as I mentioned, mint, field mint, wild mint. In Japanese, it's called haka. Again, I don't know how to pronounce that. In Korean, it's baka. Uh, haka is H-A-K-K-A, and in Korean, it's B-A-K-H-A. And in Chinese, it can also be called fan he sai and ren don zao. So those are all different names for this. Notice peppermint is not one of the names. Again, I've been saying peppermint for decades now, so I'm, that's, that's a big issue for me. Remember, I have several main sources that I look at for these. The three big ones for, for individual herbs are Bensky and his team. And he says the dose is two to six grams in decoction a day. And both uh, two of my other sources, both Chen and Chen and Brandon Wiseman, say the dosage is two to 10 grams added at the end of the decoction process. There's a lot of volatile oils uh, in, in Boha. And those can, those can uh, steam away, so you don't want to cook it for a long time. So you add it in just at the end of a decoction, which, remember, is a water, hot uh, boiling water dis dis uh, distillation, basically, extraction process. So let's talk a little bit about the Lamiaceae family. So the Lamiaceae, also known as the Lab uh, Labiatae, L-A-B-I-A-T-A-E family, it includes flowering plants commonly known as the mint, dead nettle, or sage family. Generally, Lamiaceae is considered the, the Lamiaceae, not, there's no end in it, Lamiaceae is considered the more correct name, though Labiate is a correct alternative. It hasn't been replaced. And these herbs, this, this family includes many aromatic culinary and medicinal herbs, including basil, mint, rosemary, sage, savory, Marjoram, oregano, sounds like you couldn't cook uh, Italian food without this family being around. Hyssop, thyme, lavender, okay, now we're into French cooking. Uh, salvia, catnip is in this, oriental motherwort, and perilla. Perilla is an interesting one as well, which often um, form of that is, Japan is called Japanese mint. So that makes sense as well. There are approximately 236 genera 
remember, genera are just up from species and up to 7,500 species. That's a big family. You know, I often, when I cover these herbs, they have a few hundred species or a thousand species. So 7,500 species is up there. I'm sure there's bigger one, bigger families out there, but uh, that's a pretty good sized family. And the flowers from this family are usually bisexual, so rather than uh, unisexual, sexual, so they can actually pollinate themselves is basically what we're saying here. The category of this, <coughs> according to Bensky, it is a cool acrid herb that releases the exterior. And uh, Chen and Chen and Brandon Wiseman are similar, but they, they kind of translate it slightly differently. Um, Chen Chen actually says, so Bensky says it's a cool acrid herb that releases the exterior. Uh, what a cool acrid herb does is treat wind heat. And Chen and Chen says it is a wind heat releasing herb. So it, it kind of goes on what the, what the herb is doing rather than what it does. That makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, but uh, one is it, it, the herb is cool and acrid, and it has the effect of releasing wind heat. So they're just kind of di different ways of looking at the same thing. And Brandon Wiseman does say it's, it's a cool, acrid, exterior-releasing medicinal. So very similar to what Bensky and his team says. Speaking of Bensky, his team says it is acrid, aromatic, and cooling, and enters the lung and liver. And both Brandon, um, Brandon Wiseman and Chen and Chen agree, except they don't say aromatic as a property. They kind of, both of them kind of mention it later on as, as uh, in the commentary that it's also aromatic. So it doesn't, doesn't elevate it to a property like Bensky does. And, and I think aromatic is, is probably an important aspect of this herb and probably deserves to be a property. But uh, as long as it's mentioned, that's the important part. Bensky says this herb first appeared in Legong Palger Lun, or Grandfather Lay's discussion of herb preparation in the 5th century CE. Chen Chen says it was first discussed in the Yaoxing Ben Sao, or the Materia Medica of Medicinal Properties in 600 CE. So there's a 100, 200 years difference there um, between these where these are. Um, it's clear this herb has been used for at least about a one and a half millennia. I, and, and I have to say, I was a little surprised. I was really expecting this herb to be the sh in the Shennong Ben Saojing, which is the first existing uh, pharmacopoeia uh, of Chinese herbs. And that was about 200 CE, so several hundred years before Bensky says uh, it was first mentioned. So I'm a little surprised. I thought this, this was a really old, it is an old herb, but I thought it was one of the first herbs that was discussed, but it wasn't. So I was a little surprised by that. It's a little bit different. Quality. How do we determine good quality of, of Bohu? So according to Bensky and his team, this herb is cut twice a year. It should consist of a minimum of 35% leaves. I love this percentage. It's like So a good chunk of it should be leaves, but there should also be other things, at least 35% leaves. Good quality consists of dark green leaves, with a cool, aromatic fragrance. Having just with my peppermint tea that I, I uh, picked just before this, my hands smell of peppermint. It's such a nice smell. So, so Xiao and Chen. Uh, now, this book is 
actually about how, um, it, I don't recall the actual name, it's in the bibliography, but it's a book about how to determine quality herbs. So I like looking at it. It also has some properties and stuff in there. We'll talk about those in a little bit, but I, I really like this as a resource for the best quality. And they say superior grades are leafy, deep green in color, and have a potent aroma. And they say the product should be no less than 30% leaf. So that's similar. You know, Densky said 35% leaf. This is 30% leaf. Um, so uh, at least plenty of leaf in there. Both teams say Suboha, grown in the Taizong area around Suzhou or Jiangsu, is the highest quality. So if you want the best field mint, you want to get the Suboha that's grown in these areas. So let's get into the actions, the medical Chinese medical actions for these herbs. According to, to this herb, we're singular here. According to Bensky and his team, Boha has several Chinese medical actions. It disperses wind heat. We already kind of mentioned that. Clears and benefits the head, eyes, and throat. It vents rashes. It allows constrained liver chi to flow freely. And it expels turbid filth. We're going to explain that turbid filth. I think it's, it's, it's kind of expressed a little bit better by some of the other books, but I, I love that, that term, turbid filth. So uh, this is very, the, the books are all pretty much in agreement. They all kind of say these things in slightly different ways. And, and again, I like comparing them because in those slightly different translations, those slightly different approaches, we learn a lot about what the herb actually does. So Chen and Chen agree is saying it releases the exterior and dispels wind heat, clears the head, brightens the eyes and benefits the throats, it vents rashes, soothes and relieves liver chi stagnation, and disperses turbid chi from the abdomen. So now we have, instead of turbid filth from Bensky, now we have turbid chi from Chen and Chen. But it adds in from the abdomen. So that turbid filth is starting to talk about how this helps digestion. And that's really what we're talking about here is it, it aids digestion to a certain extent. It's specific types of indigestion, but um, that's where it's coming from. Brandon Wiseman very similarly says disperses wind heat, clears and disinhibits the head and eyes, disinhibits the eyes. So this, this term disinhibits, uh, you know, kind of implies a binding, something that's preventing them from working properly. Outthrusts papules. So instead of saying vents rashes, it says it outthrusts papules. So papules, if you're not familiar with um, the, the technical term papules, are, are small um, fluid-filled sacs, uh, you know, in, in, in a rash. So um, that's what a papule is. So this is saying there's little fluid-filled sacs that need to be expressed. And courses the liver and moves chi. So that, again, is very much in line with, with the others. Zhao and Chen says it disperses wind heat, clears the head and eyes, benefits the throat, vents rashes, courses liver, and resolves constraints. So again, very, very similar language in all of these books. Uh, and, and like I said, this is, this is very important, very popular herb. So um, usually when you see that, there's a lot more consistency in what the herbs do. And we see that very much in this herb, Boha. So Western uses of this herb, so I, I didn't find any. Well, peppermint, mentha piperita, is widely known and used in Western herbalism. Mentha haplocalyx is not mentioned as a Western herb in any research, research I could find or on internet searches. When I put in 
uh, mentha hapocalyx or uh, calices, which is just a different form of it, uh, of the same word. I, I got not everything I got was Chinese, you know, stuff. There was nothing Western. Usually I have a few sources. First of all, I have several books on Western herbs. They weren't in any of those. Um, and on the internet, there's a few sites that are very good for Western herbs. I couldn't find it anywhere there. So I don't think this herb is well known. I think, it, I, I think they just stick with the peppermint. Again, this is similar. It's not exactly the same. It doesn't have exactly the same constituents. So I don't know if it's used interchangeably or not, um, but really didn't get much of anything as far as Western uses were for this herb. So, you know, in these books, there's commentary on these herbs, and, and in the commentary, you learn a lot about the herbs. So uh, the commentary in Bensky et al. Uh, discusses some interesting aspects of this herb. And here's some quotes from them. Its best effect is to facilitate the dispersal of wind heat in the upper burner while treating the effects of wind heat on the orifices of the head. So when we're talking about orifices of the head, we're talking about our eyes, our nose, our mouth, our ears, a lot of orifices in the head. Its sweat-inducing effect is quite strong. For this reason, it is often used to treat sores and rashes on the skin, headache and red eyes, superficial visual obstructions, sore throat, and mouth ulcers. They continue the same book on, and translate a, uh, a portion of the essays on medicine, esteeming the Chinese and respecting the Western. And that book, as translated by Bensky, says, it can vent, bring out cool sweat, and as such, it is an important herb for warm pathogen disease which needs release through sweating. If used in small amounts, it is good for harmonious adjustment of the qi in internal disharmonies and treats pain from liver qi, gallbladder fire, constraint and clumping, or liver qi moving internally. So I always can use a little bit of liver qi moving, so this is good for me. And cooling, that's good too. Again, uh, from this book, there's another quote from Zhang Shi Chun, who ex ex elaborates here. Boha leaves are similar in flavor and temperature to Borneolium or Bing Pian. They excel at penetrating the orifices. Their strength reaches internally to the organs, uh, sinews, and bones, exteriorly to the pores, interstices, skin, and hair. Everywhere they vent and penetrate, thus enabling the herb to treat aching bones and sinews in warm pathogen disease. If you regard the herb as light and clear, suitable only for bringing out sweat on the skin, you are viewing it in too shallow a manner. So this is a really interesting herb because it is in the exterior releasing herb uh, sort of category, and yet it has all these internal functions. It's a, it's a fantastic herb. And there's another herb in the same category that is very much like that chai hu. Uh, there's several others that are, do the, that are that way too, um, which we'll get to at some point in our Spurbs herbs. But it's interesting. You know, it's an exterior herb, but it's also very much an interior herb. All right, let's talk about different preparations and parts of the herb. So many parts of the plant are used and prepared in different ways. And these are from, again, Bensky and his team. The leaves or the boha ya are best for mobilizing the exterior to disperse wind and vent rashes. And the best leaves are green and tender. Don't know exactly what a tender leaf is. I guess it's just 
not as strong. Um, I'm, I'm learning a lot because what I'm doing uh, about the serve, and I'm, I'm really excited to have real field mint, real boha, because what I have supposedly is peppermint, um, is every morning when I take the dogs out uh, to, to do their business, I go over and I pick a leaf and I, and I chew it up. And I'm, I'm fascinated with the different leaves and the different colors and do I get a smaller, darker one or do I get a larger um, you know, one? They're all dark, I guess. I choose the dark ones. And so I'm, I'm learning... Uh, so now I, I, I want I guess that's that tender. I want to see if those smaller leaves are a little bit more flavorful. Bigger leaves are not that flavorful as far as I can tell, at least just in chewing them. So it's better, more flavorful in, in, a, in a tea. So that's, those are the leaves. The stalks or the boha gong, gong meaning stalks, are heavier in nature and best for bringing down the chi and easing the middle. Uh, Zhang Shi Chun, who we just quoted, says they should be used with qi-regulating herbs. So the stalks are better for that qi regulation, I think, and the leaves are better for that external and the vent, uh, the rash venting properties. Dry fried mint, so this is prepping it in a different way. This is chow bo he, is briefly fried over a low flame, reducing its acrid flavor, that spiciness flavor, acrid means spicy, and therefore it's sweat-inducing function. So it doesn't induce as much sweat when you, when you uh, dry fry it. This is best, again, a quote from Bensky, this is best used when sweating is already present in patterns such as exterior wind heat to avoid injuring the chi and fluids through excessive sweating. This method is uncommon at present. So we don't use that very much. I've never seen it used or uh, at all uh, traditionally uh, in, in my experience. So... But it's interesting, you know, we, we say, we call it paujur, this preparation of herbs can really alter the function of, of individual herbs. And so it's, it's useful to know a little bit about it. Charred mint, or boha tan, is when the herb is fried over a low flame until slightly scorched. This, so it's, it's, it's basically the same thing as the chow boha, the dry fried mint, but it's a little bit longer. It's until it's actually black, a little bit scorched. And, and this allows it to enter the blood and clear blood level heat. That's a traditional, this form of paujur or preparation, um, charring is something that we do with herbs. And we do say um, charring does allow it to enter the blood and, and, and cool the blood uh, to a large extent. That's the process. That's what charring does. So um, very similar here. And again, it says this is uncommonly used. When I think of herbs that I might char for this purpose, mint is nowhere near the first herb that I'm going to think about charring. There's many other herbs that I'm going to think about charring to accomplish this before that. So it doesn't surprise me that this is uncommonly used preparation. Another preparation is actually the juice of the plant. And this is, uh, the, the Latin for this is menthe haplo helices succus, succus, or boha jur, t-h-i-jur is when the fresh plant, after cleaning it, is pounded into a paste and the juice is extracted. This has heat clearing, blood cooling, and pain relieving properties and can be taken internally. It also has a wide range of external uses from nose drops for epistasis, uh, epistasis is uh, nosebleeds, to eardrops for swelling and pain in the ear. So that's the, the fresh juice from this. So uh, interesting. I, I haven't thought about using it for these sort of things, but it's, it's an interesting approach to this. Again, haven't seen this preparation used 
uh, a lot, but since I have or will be having field mint in my in my field, it would be pretty easy for me to just pick it and juice it for any of these properties. So I'm gonna keep this in mind. So as discussed in, oh, okay, so that was our preparations. Let's move into comparisons with other herbs. Why would you choose this herb versus other herbs? And so I would love that kind of discussion. So Bensky is really good, again, by, by having these comparisons out there. And uh, so here's what, uh, as, a, as a comparison, he basically says Menthe haplocalesis herba or boha, Arctii fructus or neobangza, and Cicada periostracum chan tui. So if you're not familiar with ch uh, cicada, cicada periostracum, these are the these are the moltings of cicada um, bugs. So it's not exactly a plant source, but it isn't exactly an animal source. I mean, it is sort of animal-esque, but it's it's sh it's sloughed off. So and and that's used widely. And they're all in the same category of herbs. And so uh, Bensky says they, these three all disperse wind heat and promote the expression of rashes. And boha is considered the strongest of for these purposes. So that is a, uh, a, a ring endorsement. See, to me, I, I always thought boha was relatively mild and stuff, but it's not. It's actually pretty darn strong in all of these things. So let's talk about combinations again. Um, there's lots of good combinations of this herb and Bensky. Uh, just if you're not getting this, Bensky usually has more on, on individual herbs. Um, my experience is Chen Chen usually has some more interesting obscure herbs than some of the other books do. Uh, Brennan Wiseman is actually called the concise Materia Medica. So it actually is quite concise, but I like the terminology used in that quite a bit. Uh, because uh, Wiseman actually was one of the co-authors on the practical dictionary of, of uh, Chinese medicine. So he's very technical in his language, uh, which I don't think uh, Chen Chen and Bensky are quite as technically oriented. So they all have their advantages is my point. And so um, one of the things about Bensky's is it's quite thorough. So he has a lot of combinations. Um, we're going to talk about four of them here. Actually, these are all four that he, he talked about. So uh, one of the combinations is boha with Schizonepida herba or jingjie, which is acrid, warm, and also enters the blood. It has a strong wind-expelling action. So again, very similar, same category as our boha. Although uh, jingjie, I'm sorry, it's not. It's the opposite category. It's actually in the warm uh, release exterior, while, while boha is in the cool release exterior. So um, jingjie is warm by nature. It is not excessively drying. Boha is acrid, cool, and disperses wind heat, tending to enter the qi level. So we haven't really talked a lot about the qi level, but there's a, a, an approach to, to uh, how uh, warm pathogens enter the body called the four levels. And so the qi level is one of those four levels. At some point, we'll get, we'll get into the four levels. Combined both, combined, both the qi and blood are affected, and the wind expelling and sweat-inducing actions are very strong. This pair is therefore ideal for treating wind heat obstructing the exterior. It's a great combination because they balance each other out temperature-wise. So that's a very interesting combination and just really kind of strengthens that exterior releasing aspect. Boho can be combined with Stellaria radix or yin chai hu, which is sweet, bitter, and slightly cold. It enters the liver and stomach channels to cool heat from deficiency 
and eliminate the fever resulting from childhood nutritional impairment. That's an interesting um, aspect. Boha disperses wind heat and also cools the liver. Together, they cool and drain pathogenic heat from the liver and reduce steaming heat in the bones from consumptive heat. So this idea of steaming heat or steaming bone heat is sort of the Chinese perspective on tuberculosis. That's how they often describe tuberculosis. And consumption is another term for, for tuberculosis. And then there's a heat sensation with that. So that's from consumptive heat here. So again, um, very good for tuberculosis, this combination. Uh, Boho can be combined with Uncaria ramulus cum uncis, which is gotong. Uh, it is, uh, gotong is sweet and slightly cold, pacifying the liver and cooling liver heat, extinguishing wind and alleviating spasms. So we say spasms are caused by wind. So extinguishing wind and alleviating spasms are all one function of this herb gotong. Gotong tends to clear while boho tends to disperse. Together they expel wind heat, soothe the throat, and calm liver wind. The pair can be used to prevent children's febrile convulsions where there is fever. For chills, Jingjie can be added for even greater effects. Remember, we just talked about Jingjie, and that's warming. So if there's some chills there, add in a little bit of warming from the Jingjie, and then you will release the exterior even more strongly. Neither boha nor gotong should be decocted for very long. Again, they have volatile oils. Whenever we have an herb with volatile oils, we want to add it towards the end so the volatile oils won't boil off. Um, and we lose those, uh, the effect of those volatile oils. So uh, another very interesting combination, so Boha and Gotang, or Uncaria ramulus cum uncens. And then finally, we have one more combination, Boha with Cicada periostracum chantui. So that is, we already mentioned this, in, in it, that this is not as strong as Boha in releasing the exterior, um, but it's a very interesting herb. Um, by the way, this is one of those herbs when we're preparing it raw, um, and I've done my fair share in, in school preparing raw herbs. This is one of those that we, we, um, we uh, put in the mortar and pestle and pound up pretty good because most people don't want to see what looks like a bug in their, in their herbal things. Again, this is the shell. This is the molting of a cicada, um, but uh, we, we try to pound it up. And, and frankly, you know, I've tried most of the herbs. It, you know what it is? It's like, it, it tastes just like um, uh, the outer shell of popcorn, you know, that flavorless sort of thing that gets stuck between your teeth. It's exactly like that. It has the same sort of sensation and, and uh, feels and tastes just like that. So it's no big deal. But people don't want to see it in their raw herbs. So we would pound it up pretty, pretty strongly. So uh, Chantui, this cicada periosticum, uh, ostracum is, uh, uh, so the acrid dispersing coolness of boha can reach from the bones to the exterior, driving out wind and venting unexpressed rashes. Chan Tui is also acrid and cool. The Grammateria Medica notes that it focuses on treating all wind heat disorders. Together, the strengths of these two herbs are complementary, a powerful pair for expelling wind heat Inventing rashes. So this is very good for that, not just for the wind heat, but for that rash, that venting rash sort of thing. So if you have papules or something like that, this is a great combination, the boha and the chantui. All right, and that's it for our combinations. Let's get into the contents of boha. So uh, I don't think I'm going to spend 
ton of time on this, but according to Bensky uh, Bo and his team, Boha has the following constituents. As I've been mentioning, volatile oils and menthol is considered a volatile oil. So if you boil this, you boil away one of the active ingredients, which is menthol, uh, not to mention other volatile oils. It also has a bunch of flavonoids. Flavonoids are a class of, of chemicals that are often found in, in, in uh, plants and especially medicinal herbs. They're, they have a lot of medicinal aspects to it. And they also have a bunch of organic acids, which we don't really have to go into. They're fairly common. Uh, organic acids in general are, are common. That, you know, everything will have some organic acids. And I'm sure there's some very specific ones for, for boha. Chen and Chen adds into the contents, agrees with these, and adds in some coumarins. Coumarins are uh, potentially what um, is colloquially known as blood thinners. Um, I don't think there's a lot here. I don't think blood thinning is a huge aspect of it, though that might be considered some of the liver-moving aspect of this herb. Um, but, I, you know, that adds it in. I don't think, again, I don't think it's, it's super strong uh, with the coumarins. So uh, another book, Huang, which is uh, called The uh, uh, Pharmacology of Chinese Herbs or something like that, and is a little bit more technical on the pharmacology side of things, emphasizes the essential oils. Essential oils are, are this basically the same as volatile oils and uh, menthol, but he also has in menthone and um, methyl acetate, so very similar but slightly different chemical structures. He says that menthol can stimulate gastrointestinal tract motility and dispel gas, desensitize sensory irritation, and reduce histamine-induced itching. So that histamines are part of that inflammatory and, um, cascade that we were talking about and can produce an antitussive or stop coughing effect. So very interesting um, with that. And we know menthol can help that. That's the whole idea with the Vicks VapoRub. It, it kind of opens up the airways and helps soothe coughing and all that. But this is interesting, I thought. He says it's also, menthol is also a penetration enhancer. That's not a, a technical pharmacological term. And when combined with alcohol, makes it easier for a drug to enter the skin. So that's a very interesting, in other words, it, it, it's sort of like a carrier and can carry things deeper into the body, which is, is you know, brings up that whole aspect that we've been talking about, about these topical oils and the fact that they can actually go deeper into the skin and actually affect muscles and things along those lines. So um, I think that was a really interesting aspect of methyl that you don't see in the scientific literature, but it definitely is an aspect of this. Good. And speaking of scientific literature, let's talk about some of the science here. I'll be honest with you, the science was a little overwhelming. There's a lot of, of articles on menthol, a lot of articles on boha, because it is a popular Chinese herb. Um, and it was a little overwhelming. And, and, and the reality is a lot of them were, you know, this is our list of constituents, and this is what we found using uh, HPLC, which is, um, I don't remember what the P, but liquid chromatography, um, high-pressure liquid chromatography, HPLC, or uh, spectroscopy, or whatever their techniques they were using. They're, they're trying to figure out all the ingredients. Frankly, we don't need, in this, we don't need to know all the ingredients and everything. Um, there wasn't a lot of um, stuff, uh, not reviews anyways, of how it works and, and is it effective. Um, so I found a little bit of it, but not too much. So Chen Chen uh, says it is used as a dermatologic, which means it affects skin, which of course invents rashes, so that makes perfect sense. 
an antipyretic, it is uh, it it lowers fevers, and again, that makes sense if it's cooling and venting and, and the releasing the exterior. It makes sense that it'd be antipyretic. It's a diaphoretic, which means it causes sweating. Again, that's one of its major functions is to promote sweating, so it makes perfect sense. And anti-inflammatory. So I've been kind of explaining why menthol is anti-inflammatory, so it makes sense that this would also be anti-inflammatory in its effects. And he talks about, um, he includes some small Chinese studies showing herbal formulas, which include boha to be effective in treating high fevers, and acute mastitis. Uh, uh, mastitis is, is an infection of the nipple, usually uh, around uh, with women who are breastfeeding. Uh, that's when it usually occurs. I don't usually like to include studies with herbal formulas because I, it doesn't say that this herb is helping or not. It's like the whole herb, to, the whole formula together is accomplishing that. And so I don't find that to be super useful in elucidating what boha does or doesn't do. So tend to not get too much into those things. But that was it. There's, you know, I, I, I looked at several dozen studies uh, on this and didn't really find anything else that just kind of caught my attention and said, okay, I need to put it in this, in this science category here. As you know, we always look at drug-herb interactions, see if there's any, any risk factors for drug-herb interactions. And uh, several searches in scientific databases did not yield any obvious interactions with BOHA. I keep an ongoing personal database of drug-herb interactions from the herbal side. Um, it was not included on that uh, database. And then I did uh, multiple uh, scientific searches uh, using uh, various things. I used BOHA, I used methahaplocalyx, uh, and then I, I added the terms cytochrome P450 uh, and, and pre-glycoprotein, which are major targets of drug-herb interactions. It came up with nothing. So uh, given that this is pretty much a food substance, I'm not surprised that we didn't come up with any drug-herb interactions. This was supported. Uh, Gardner and McGuffin, who, who makes a um, big, giant tome of safety of herbs, great book, um, did not include this herb at all. Um, so they know, know nothing from them. And Jens, who does uh, uh, another drug-herb interaction textbook, uh, or, uh, did not show any significant drug interactions at all. It actually included BOHA, but, didn't, but said that it, there are no known drug, herb, uh, no drug interactions. So I, I'm pretty comfortable at this point saying there aren't any drug-herb interactions for this herb at this point. Again, science is a stepwise process, step process, so... Tomorrow, there could be a study that is released that shows some interactions, but as of today, uh, there doesn't seem to be any interactions with this herb. It's a very safe herb. But there are some concerns, so let's get into those. According to Bensky and his team, this herb can, can, can deplete the chi and should not be used in debilitated patients who sweat profusely or in those with ascendant liver yang, so liver yang rising, basically. They continue to state a traditional contraindication is translated from harm and benefit in the Materia Medica. This is a book. Boha is acrid, aromatic, and injures the chi. Overconsumption impairs the lungs and damages the heart. It should be kept away from deficient patients. It should not be taken soon after recovering from an illness, for if the exterior chi is weak, it will cause continuous sweating. It is also forbidden for cough from cold lodged in the lungs without any heat symptoms. Remember, it's cooling, so we don't want to use it in a cold situation. Yin deficiency with fever is another circumstance in which excessive sweating from boha 
may readily injure the yin and yang fluids. So there are some, remember we said this strongly opens up the out, you know, and releases the exterior. So we want to be, if we do that inappropriately at the wrong time, then we can cause injury. And that's really what all these are saying is you just want to make sure you're, you're using it properly. Moving on, Chen Chen um, also says something similar. He says, Boha's dispersing nature can consume qi and yin and should be used with caution and patience with yin deficiency, yin deficient heat, xiao ke, which is wasting and thirsting syndrome. Um, that's often associated with diabetes, a Western diagnosis of, of diabetes. Uh, perspiration from qi deficiency, liver yang excess, and those patients who are recovering from chronic illnesses or have deficiency symptoms. And they add chronic repetitive use may lead to depletion of qi and yang reserves. So it's a good thing I don't drink mint tea every day. Brandon Wiseman also has similar concerns and cautions. Boha is aromatic, acrid, and dispersing. It causes sweating and wears, and wears qi. Uh, not wear it as a coat, but wears it down, wears chi. It is not suitable for constitutional vacuity with profuse sweating. So they're all saying basically the same thing. This is dispersing. This releases the exterior. If you have a cold, and especially if it's on the warm side, that's a good thing. Vent it out, get it out of the body, let it go. But if you have something internally that's deficient, that's not working properly, then you want to be circumspect about using this. Again, we know this works internally. We know that it moves liver chi, and that's a good thing, that liver chi. But if you have deficiency, it moves things that aren't there and can cause problems. So we try to avoid that. And by releasing the exterior and causing sweating, it can, it can especially affect yin fluids and, and um, make those even more deficient. So those are sort of the warnings overall, and they all kind of agree in that, in that context. And that is pretty much it for our discussion of Boha, but don't leave yet. Let's talk about our next episode. And mmm, delicious. God, uh, peppermint is so good. I'm so glad I'm having some peppermint tea or I'd be wanting some really badly. And we're gonna continue this delicious <laughs> sort of approach to our herbs in our next episode. Uh, we are gonna be talking and looking at, tasty, at a tasty Western herb, blackberries. I like berries and blackberries are among my favorite and end, end. They are a medicinal herb. Join us as we discuss the medicinal properties of this herb and of course, something a little different. So don't miss our next exciting episode. Thank you very much. Uh, appreciate you sticking with us. Just as a reminder, when you buy from Amazon, uh, if, you, if you do buy from Amazon, Please use the banner ad on our homepage at superbsherbs.com. We get a few pennies from it. I haven't had a few pennies for a little while, so that'd be nice. If you like this podcast, please do us a big, huge favor. Give us a five-star rating in your favorite podcast app. That would be so wonderful, and we, we really appreciate it. And thank you, if you for, for even thinking about doing that. I appreciate that. And as always, you can always get in touch with me at drgreg at superbsherbs.com or at our website, www.spurbsherbs.com. That's S-P-E-R-B-S-H-E-R-B-S dot -E -E com. And that's pretty much it. 
Thank you again. And of course, as always, we have a good geography. The proceeding was presented by Dr. Greg Sperber. We would like to thank Janelle for all her support and everybody else who contributed to this program. Janelle. Timothy Dobbins. Rogers. Campbell.